The American Music Awards, which have been running annually since 1974, occupy an illustrious spot within the American music industry. The AMAs sit within the big three music award shows in the US, alongside the Grammys and the Billboard Music Awards. And so, it's little wonder that the cancellation of singer Chris Brown's performance just a few days before the 2022 awards quickly became a big talking point. Many, including celebrities, took to social media to air their frustration or support at the situation. Brown himself told his 130 million odd followers that he was cancelled for reasons unknown. However, for anyone acquainted with Brown's track record, it was possible to hazard a pretty good guess. Infamy has cloaked the 33-year-old songwriter for over a decade as accounts of his violence towards women have regularly made headlines, alongside a variety of legal troubles. And yet, as someone who is understood as having been cancelled, Chris Brown remains visible and supported if his online following is anything to go by. Today, while we unravel the singer's past, we'll be asking crucial questions. Was Chris Brown ever truly cancelled? How does stan culture interact with cancel culture? And what does that tell us about cancel culture and the passage of time? As we'll be talking about assault and abuse today, please be mindful of your own well-being. Pause and take breaks as often as you need. Welcome to Cancelled. I'm your host, Leah, and this is a show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subjects of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately cancelled. The Chris Brown of the early 2000s was a fresh-faced youngster breaking into the R&B scene. His self-titled debut studio album was released in 2005 when he was aged just 16, and it was an immediate commercial success. The next few years would see him land roles in television series The O.C. and the film Stomp the Yard, as well as opening for Beyonce and the Australian leg of her tour. Hits like Yo, Excuse Me, Miss... Kiss Kiss, Forever and No Air with Jordan Sparks were instant crowd pleasers. He was named Artist of the Year by Billboard magazine in 2008, and since 2007, he'd been dating fellow up-and-coming singer-songwriter Rihanna. These factors and more were beginning to cement his place as R&B's next big name. This would all be abruptly derailed in 2009. That year's Grammy Awards, taking place on the 8th of February, was primed to be a big deal for the young music couple. Rihanna was up for three awards and an anticipated performance with Justin Timberlake, while double nominee Brown would take to the stage for a rendition of Forever. These performances would never take place. Instead, in the early hours of the 8th of February, Brown would physically assault Rihanna in their rented Lamborghini following an argument. In a 2009 interview with Diane Sawyer, Rihanna described the frantic calls and texts she made to her assistants as the threats and violence escalated in the car. Quote, All I kept thinking the whole time, when is it going to stop? When is it going to stop? End quote. The Bayesian singer told Sawyer, Quote, He had no soul in his eyes, just blank. He was clearly blacked out. There was no person when I looked at him. End quote. His arrest at the hands of the LAPD followed that evening. Photos of Rihanna's swollen and bruised face would later be leaked and splashed across tabloids around the world. 
Brown's formerly clean public image was no more, and the backlash was both swift and damning. Within days, chewing gum company Wrigley announced plans to temporarily pull an ad campaign featuring the then 19-year-old star, and his Got Milk ads were also dropped. A wave of radio stations began pulling Brown's music from their playlists, dubbed The Brown Ban. In less than a week, producers of 96.5 KISS FM reported being, quote, flooded with complaints to remove Chris Brown, end quote. The station's program director, Bo Matthews, told the press that, quote, I made the decision to rid the whole station of Chris Brown's songs while this plays out. We are fans of Chris Brown's music, and this is not something that will last forever, end quote. Other Brown fans called the radio ban ridiculous. According to the R&B website Singers Room, fans would cite other artists such as Michael Jackson and R. Kelly, who received continuous airplay amongst then ongoing abuse investigations. Meanwhile, Rihanna was on the receiving end of ire from his fans as they disputed the framing of her as a victim of abuse. In June 2009, Brown pleaded guilty to one count of felony assault in a plea deal that avoided jail time, instead receiving five years of probation, an order to attend a year of domestic violence counselling, six years of community service, and a five-year restraining order. This was later modified to a level one order, which meant that the pair no longer had to stay 10 yards apart at the same award ceremonies, but Brown could not annoy or harass Rihanna. There seemed to be a consensus from people in the music industry that this was a blip, that it was an unpleasant situation, one that would play itself out and soon be quickly forgotten. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. However... Brown's image was shifting. The public was becoming increasingly privy to intense, angry outbursts, which began characterizing his demeanor. In March 2011, after Good Morning America host Robin Roberts questioned Brown about his assault on Rihanna during an interview, he allegedly lost his temper. The Guardian details that Brown was so enraged that he, quote, went to his dressing room, punched a window until it cracked, then walked into the street shirtless, end quote. In fact, Fights and threats attributed to Brown would crop up regularly. 2012 saw a bust-up between him and Drake, allegedly provoked by the latter, as well as both their entourages. In January 2013, he allegedly punched and threatened to shoot fellow singer Frank Ocean and was arrested for a felony assault in October that year for punching a man who stepped into a photo that Brown was taking with a fan. This was a charge which was later reduced to assault misdemeanors as, according to court papers, Brown told the police he did not punch the man and his legal team argued that his bodyguard, who was also charged with misdemeanor assault, acted to protect Brown and his property, which he is authorized to do. After this last altercation, Brown voluntarily admitted himself to a rehab facility, from which he was kicked out weeks later in November 2013 for violent behavior. According to People magazine, he, quote, reportedly smashed his mother's car window with a rock during a family session per his probation officer, end quote. 
A few months later, Brown was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder by doctors, believing this stemmed from his, quote, attempts to self-medicate his troubles, end quote. 2014 through to the present day is a blur of incessant instances of violence and misdemeanors, from denied entry to various countries as a result of his criminal history, to continual legal issues and police investigations into accusations of battery, sexual assault, and drug possession. Among these were notable cases which all took place while he was touring and creating music. One was when Nancy Gosh, Brown's tour manager, allegedly quit on the spot after Brown threatened her with a physical attack in May 2016 during his European tour. Another was when former girlfriend Karuche Tran won a five-year restraining order against Brown following her testimony that he had physically assaulted her in the past and sent her messages threatening to kill her. USA Today notes that for the duration of their relationship, which spanned from 2011 to late 2014, Brown was on probation for his attack on Rihanna. Across this period, he released three studio albums. Just recently, in January 2022, an anonymous woman known simply as Jane Doe filed a $20 million lawsuit against the artist, alleging that he had drugged and raped her over a year prior. The case was dismissed by a judge in August 2022, around the same time that Brown's 10th studio album, Breezy, was released. The accuser's lawyer dropped the case against Brown after he submitted text messages to the Miami Police Department, which were used as proof of a consensual relationship between himself and the accuser. Despite increasingly alarming violent behavior, Brown has released new albums every two years, matched by a host of tours worldwide. His latest, titled The Under the Influence Tour, will see him perform across Europe in 2023. The entire 19-show tour sold out within minutes. The expectation that Brown's 2009 assault would somewhat blow over is yet to be realized. And as seen with the AMA cancellation, his long-documented violent behavior still precedes him. Writing for Puck, an online publication, Matthew Baloney notes that the AMA performance would, quote, have been the first time since the hashtag MeToo era, since the BET Awards in 2017, that a televised show had invited him to perform, end quote. Baloney adds that the Brown performance was pulled as the executives of the ABC network were unhappy with the, quote, prospect of a convicted domestic abuser fetting, lavishly honoring, an alleged child molester on a Disney network. End quote. Further reporting adds that once the executives were made aware of the performance, the tribute was immediately pulled as it might have been too radioactive. But if Brown is still clearly a risky gamble, it begs the question, who invited him to perform in the first place? But even with this performance being cancelled, the fact remains that if Chris Brown is indeed a victim of cancel culture, being cancelled seems pretty cushy. For example, his new tour will see Chris Brown in the UK for the first time in 13 years after being denied a visa back in 2010 on account of being guilty of a serious criminal offence. Since announcing the four shows in the O2, they've since sold out and two extra shows have been added. With a capacity of 20,000, upwards of 100,000 people could well be descending upon the London venue in order to see the cancelled artist. Writing for Hunger magazine, Chris Saunders questions how this is all possible. Quote, Why, with all these alleged and confirmed charges, does Brown still have an army of loyal followers? Has social media tricked us all into believing that cancel culture can legitimately affect someone's career in the real world? Seemingly so. Even if we don't admit it, 
we're all guilty of remaining in our echo chambers, whether that's online or in the real world, end quote. To underscore this point, Saunders undertook a quick Twitter search of Chris Brown to see how these UK show dates were being received. Despite some Brown denounces, he notes the reaction as, quote, overwhelmingly positive, end quote, with hundreds of users complaining about missing out on tickets. The strength of Chris Brown's fan base is undeniable. Team Breezy, named after one of his monikers, have long made their devoted support of the singer known. In 2012, after Chris Brown got into a Twitter feud with writer Jenny Johnson, in which he threatened to stab her with needles in the eye and kill her, Team Breezy took to sending her death threats. When Brown's self-documentary Welcome to My Life came out in 2017, Refinery29 journalist Cecily Bowen recalled her shock when she arrived at the cinema screening. Quote, The crowd was mostly women, she writes. Fans were adorned in Chris Brown t-shirts and obviously excited for another glimpse into the singer's life. End quote. However, once the doc started rolling on the screen, Bowen was uncomfortable. Not because of the film's content, which saw friends and celebrities in Brown's life like Mary J. Blige, Jennifer Lopez, Usher, Jamie Foxx and more offer personal and professional anecdotes. It was the audience's reactions around her that unsettled the journalists the most. Quote, when a clip of Rihanna claiming to be hurt by Brown played, an audible hiss went up around me. The girl to my left said she never talked about what she did. And later, when the camera flashed to Karuche, more lips smacked around me, especially after they revealed that she broke up with him via Twitter. End quote. Bowen argues that in the film, he demonstrates, quote, a lot of his accountability for his actions as he takes ownership of his inability to control his anger, his lack of communication and dishonesty in his relationships as his own ability to self-sabotage, end quote. Meanwhile, Katie Bain at The Guardian describes the doc as, quote, a compelling, highly intimate piece of PR that serves its purpose in the sense that it if perhaps leaving out certain elements, presents Brown as a sympathetic figure who is profoundly sorry for his actions, end quote. However, this redemptive course-correcting framing remains undermined by his consistent legal issues. Brown's enduring career has no doubt been bolstered or perhaps even saved by his large, loyal fan base, returning us as ever to the question that has always plagued the music and arts industry. Can you separate the art from the artist? In Brown's case, it seems that this potential ethical dilemma is of little interest to his staunch supporters. Perhaps their unwavering faith in the singer could even be at the crux of why Brown showed little public remorse in the wake of the 2009 assault. The Hollywood Reporter notes that eight months after the altercation, Brown appeared on Larry King Live and initially claimed not to remember what he did to Rihanna, which he later recanted in a public statement. Tweets from Brown in 2011 and 2012, a few years after assaulting Rihanna, such as, quote, I'm so over people bringing this par shit up, yet we praise Charlie Sheen and other celebs for their bullshit, end quote, and, quote, hate all you want because I got a Grammy, end quote. Did little to improve his image as someone who understood that their past behavior was unacceptable, that responsibility had been taken and that his behavior had changed accordingly. Brown's trajectory cracks upon the inherent contradictions within cancel culture, and as probably one of the earliest celebrities to be cancelled, makes for an important case study. Celebrities who call out cancel culture or ardently believe that they have been cancelled themselves never seem to face any real repercussions. 
If anything, it perhaps provides them with more of a platform and righteous zeal than before. Though many might openly denounce a person, in the case of Brown, there were just as many, if not more, who were prepared to ride out for him. If Chris Brown is anything to go by, cancel culture remains a theoretical framework that aligns more with performativity over real accountability. This episode was written by Paula Akpan. This is a Broccoli Production. <laughs>